0: Dharma, Dharma, Sangarshan, Paksi, Prani, Dharma, Panchalika, Prabhasita Divya Jeevam Sarve Sarva Maha Sarve Sarva The other was inebriated, not just with drink but with excessive affluence, comfort and above all arrogance. These three things – affluence, comfort and arrogance – can make you far more unconscious than any drink or drug can do. A great Kannada saint who is known as Allama or Allama Mahaprabhu said if a man has broken his limbs with a fall from a mountain, if his bones are crushed, you can talk to him and get a response. If he is bitten by a venomous snake and he's frothing in his mouth, you can talk to him and get a response. If he's dying of some deadly disease and when his last breath is in and out, if you talk to him, you can get a response. But once they are bitten by money, you can't get a response from them they'll go about totally inebriated. This happened to Yadavas big time. They became very prosperous, very drunk, very loose. In this condition, they fought with each other and they destroyed themselves. Krishna and Balarama, silent witnesses sitting away from the city on the mainland. Dwaraka is on an island. And then the seas rose, the winds blew very hard and the ocean rose and started eating into the foundations of Dwaraka city and slowly Dwaraka city started going down. Then Krishna told his cousin brother Udhava, there is nothing to save in Dwaraka, but There is an idol of Vishnu which my father Vasudeva established and it has been an idol of his daily worship. I would like to save this one thing, go get this idol. Uddhava went on a small skiff, went, picked up the idol and the winds pushed him back to the mainland. He brought it. Then Krishna instructed the sage Bruhaspati to take this idol and establish it in a place which is not corrupted by the Kshatriya politics. He told him, go beyond the mountains and go to Kerala and establish this. Bruhaspati took this idol in a small sailboat and sailed down the coast towards Kerala. So, Bruhaspati was the guru assisted or powered by the wind, Vayu. So, this idol, when it was established, came to be known as Guru Vayur. Guru Vayur idol is the idol that Vasudeva was worshipping through his life and it is essentially a Vishnu temple but seen as a Krishna temple, manifestation of Krishna because it was his intention that this temple should move so far down south that it will not be affected by the corruption the kshatriyas of the day created.
1: Sahasrava Shonki Adrishti, the Shakarin of the Sahasrava Shonki Adrishti, the Shakarin of the Guru, are you? चाह कर दी सूर्य गुरु वायु को भेज रहे सदा वे अचल कर ने अटल जब रहे सदावे द्रग अचल सब को भेज कर दिया साकर परम Krishna Shri Krishna
0: Back in Hastinapur, after the war is over, they settle down to become kings once again. After the old people have left, Yudhishthira ruled in a just manner but as time lapsed they forgot many things that they themselves went through and they forgot many things about what other people went through and above all they forgot many things that Krishna told them on the way. A million deaths on their hands enormous strife that they themselves went through and above all the presence of an avatar with them, everything slowly faded into memory. The day-to-day affairs of the kingdom became more important. So, they ruled well but they did not look like they were doing things under divine influence they did well. There is a difference between doing well and creating a situation which is divine in nature. There is a difference between being successful and being in a state of supplication. With very meager arrangements, with very meager food, with very meager life, if one is in supplication, he can make his life… if life is filled with grace, you will see a simple hermit will look glorious. Glory will not come because of heaps of gold or diamonds or silks. Glory comes because of the way a man can bear himself and that bearing will come only when the divine stands by him. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how successful a man is, the more successful he becomes, the more distorted he becomes. Because the essential nature of human mind is, the more it thinks, invariably it'll get more confused unless it is touched by another dimension which is like a living track, that it can think all over the place and still this one thing is always stable. Only then, when you are on the path of grace, you can think insane and still be one hundred percent focused and graceful about your life. Otherwise, as you get more successful, and you have to manage hundred different things at the same time, the moment you think about hundred things at a time, you will start going insane. Only thing is you won't know because there will be a few psychopaths around you clapping their hands because they are enamored by the money or the wealth or the silks or the gold that they see around you. They will give you a completely wrong picture but if somebody else looks at you, you look like a completely distorted creature more than Ashtavakra. <laughs> vakra, thousand distortions, not eight distortions. So slowly this set in in all the brothers, they became successful, they conquered, they conducted an Ashwamedha Yaga, this dominated the whole place. Largely, Yudhishthira was the only one who remembered every word of Krishna and tried to live it to whatever extent he could with the responsibilities that he carried upon his head. All others slowly became kings, enjoyed being uh, being around the king, being the king's brothers. They married multiple times and they lived. They lived well, they did not live in too much arrogance. They did not exploit anybody, they're just living well. But human idea of living well itself is a horrible exploitation. Our idea of living well today in the world is a serious exploitation of every creature on the planet, isn't it? We don't have to be evil-minded. If we are development-minded, we are evil enough. Yes or no? Our idea of development is a serious enough evil. We don't need an evil mind. We don't need a duryodhana, I'm saying. We just need an Arjuna. Successful conquest. This is evil enough for everybody else. For every other creature on the planet, this is evil enough, isn't it? Only if you think you are the only, you are the creature, then you are okay but that is blindness, that is not life. So life happened, they reached towards their old age. Then Yudhishthira said, Parikshit had grown up as a fine young man. So Yudhishthira said, it's time we coronate Parikshit, and we try to sort out our own lives. Mind you, they lived with Krishna, but they still need to sort it out. That's the whole problem with humanity. They lived with the presence of the divine, but they still have to sort it out themselves. So, they coronated Parikshit as the emperor of the Kuru dynasty, he was the only living one. This is Abhimanyu's son and Arjuna's grandson. These six people, the Pandavas and Draupadi decided to go on their vanaprastha and when they walked out of Hastinapur, people gathered in huge numbers because they have been around for so long, there are many of the old… older generation who have seen them through all kinds of trials and tribulations and they have come out successful. They have ruled for thirty-six years and now they are leaving. It's a major event and a change that's happening in the empire. And Yudhishthira said instead of going into a forest close by, which they had explored plenty in twelve years, <laughs> Yudhishthira said, let's climb the Mount Mandara in the So they started climbing. Steep mountains, they climbed up steadily for weeks on end. And as they were getting into steeper climbs, one day as they were walking, Draupati slipped and fell. The four brothers were distraught, they screamed, Draupati fell. They just she just went down the mountain. No, no, no. Don't get ideas. Don't think it's like a Hindi cinema the last scene when somebody falls off a cliff. Ah. No, don't think of that. She's too proud even now to say ah she'll go silently down and thud. She's that kind. You need to understand her. Huh? She will not go ah and all this. All the four were distraught. Yudhishthira did not even turn back, he kept going. Then they caught up with him and Bhima asked, Why? Why Draupadi has to fall? She has suffered so much in her life, she stood by us right through. Why should she fall? What has she done? What wrong has she done? So Yudhishthira said there are many things but let me say one thing. One thing is she committed herself that she will love all the five husbands equally but she could never manage that. She always loved Arjuna and longed to be with him as a wife. She only fulfilled her duty with us. With her her love was only for Arjuna and when she came to know Karna is also Kunti's son, she wondered why can't he… Ha- why can't she have him? For these two things she has fallen and they continued. Then Nakula fell. When Nakula fell they asked why did Nakula fall? Nakula was too proud, he was supposed to be the most handsome man. He was too proud of his appearance, his vanity made him fall, Yudhishthira said. They continued further, then Sahadeva fell. Then they asked why this man barely uttered a word. Then Yudhishthira said, he barely uttered a word, not out of his humility because he was smug. All the time, whatever is happening around him, he knows because of the wisdom that he imbibed. But he cannot speak, but he, that did not bring humility to him. He was always smug. Then Bhima fell. Then Arjuna asked, why Bhima? He is such a lovable, pure human being. So Yudhishthira said what did Bhima in is gluttony. He ate not like a man, he ate like a pig and he enjoyed other people's suffering, whoever they may be. If you begin to enjoy other people's suffering, you are hammering nails on your own coffin. You don't do that. You can cause suffering. Sometimes. Sometimes it may be necessary to cause suffering to somebody. It may so happen that the actions that you take will cause suffering to somebody, but you never ever enjoy it. You do not enjoy somebody else's suffering. If you think you can enjoy somebody's suffering and bring well being to yourself, you are in a fool's paradise. And that was Bhima's state. He believed. He has to enjoy other people's suffering, otherwise his own success is not fulfilled. For that he fell. Arjuna fell. Nobody to ask a question. Yudhishthira just mumbled that his vanity of being the best archer in the world, though he was not. He was a great archer, but not the best. To be the best, he would cut somebody's thumb, he would do something else, whatever needed. And still all his life he lived with the insecurity. Just suppose tomorrow morning a strapling youth of sixteen comes and shoots better than me, what do I do? He constantly lived with this insecurity, for that he fell. Yudhishthira alone walked on. Indira sent his vehicle to pick up in Yudhishthira. The… the process of what's happening here is, there is a context to this, that is if you arrive absolutely virtuous, you can go to Devaloka with your physical body. That means you can enjoy the Devaloka. If you go to Devaloka without your physical body and they are all eating well, what do you do? All Apsaras floating around, what do you do? If you put food, it will fall down. No body, you know. So Yudhishthira alone is going to be picked up with his physical body. So the vehicle came and uh, escorts, the hospitality escorts from Deviloka said, you come in, we have come to pick you up. But what is this dog, they said. Yudhishthira turned back and saw, there was a dog behind him. And he recognized this dog. This was the same dog which was running around them when they were walking the streets of Hastinapur. He couldn't believe it. He did not even notice. In his focus to just keep going, he did not even turn back and look at his brother's Draupadi. Where would he have noticed the dog? this poor dog all the way from Hastinapur, it has come with me. Then he said, I don't know what this dog is but it's come with me all the way. Everybody else fell. So if he has made it this far, probably he deserves it. So let him go with me. They said, no, dogs not allowed in Devlok. just looked at the dog. The dog looked at him hopefully Then he said, no, I cannot leave this dog. I did not call him, but he's traveled all the way. When my wife and my four brothers, who I believe were virtuous men, fell off because they were unfit to come this far and if this dog made it, it must have some karma within himself that he's come this far. So if fate and destiny did not take him down, It is not for me to reject him. We will take the dog. They said, no dogs on our craft. We don't have that kind of seatbelts. He said, no dog means then even I am not going. I will sit on this mountain and leave my body, but I will not go. They were very amused. What? If you can't bring your dog, You will not come to heaven? He said, it's not my dog. I don't know whose dog, what dog this is. But all I know is, he's made the journey. So maybe he's fit. It is not for you to judge. If he was not fit, he should have fallen along with my brothers and my wife. He did not fall. How can we deny him? Now all the dog lovers, cat lovers don't make it up in your mind, Oh, I was right seeking blessing for my cat or dog from Sadhguru. He is not seeking blessing for his dog. He feels the dog has made the journey, it is unjust to deny him the prize of the journey. It is his sense of dharma, it is not his attachment to the dog which is making him do this. Then they landed in heaven or in Devaloka along with the dog. Then the first thing he asked is, where are my brothers? Where is Panchali? He said, we'll go, first let's go into Indra's assembly. He walked into Indra's assembly, there Kaurava was sitting, Duryodhana was sitting like this, as usual, in full arrogance and glory. Seeing Duryodhana first sitting in the assembly of gods, Yudhishthira was taken aback. He has made it here. Then he looked this way, Dushyasana was sitting even more arrogantly. Shakuni too, but there were no sign of his brothers, no sign of Karna, no sign of Panchali, He said, this is not fair. How could Duryodhana come here? He is the cause of all the murder we had to commit. He is the cause of so much pain and suffering in our life and in so many other people's lives. How come he is sitting there? How did he find entry and where are my brothers? Where is my wife? They said, your brothers and your wife are in another place. He said, then I am not interested in this assembly. First I want to go there and see how they are doing. They said, don't you want to sit with Indira? He said, no, it doesn't mean anything. First I want to know where my brothers are. I don't like Duryodhana, Dushyasana, Shakuni sitting in such prominent places in this Devaloka. I want to see my brothers. They said, okay, and they took them down a winding path. This was a beautiful, fabulous place. As they went down, it started getting darker, potholes and not ba- badly lit and went down, 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 really into the pit of darkness. And then he started smelling all kinds of evil smells and he started hearing mounds of suffering and people screaming in pain all kinds of things, worse than Kurukshetra battle. He asked, what is this place, why are you taking me here? You mean to say my brothers are in this place? Then he heard screams and shouts, a female voice. Is that Panchali? Why is she screaming? Are you torturing her? Then he heard one by one the voices of all his brothers why is my wife and my brothers in hell? When Duryodhana and his clan are sitting in heaven, this is not fair. The gods who took him down, they said, it's not for us to decide. The dharma and karma is decided by Chitragupta who keeps accounts. We just taking you down? If you… if you don't like the place, let's go back. We just brought you here, we're just guides, that's all. Let's go, you you don't seem to like the place. For sure I don't like the place. But how can I leave my brothers, my wife here and go? I have to take them and go. The guard said, that's not our business. We can't do that. Then Yudhishthira thought for one long moment. Then he said, I will stay here. I will stay here with my wife and my brothers, I don't want to go to the Devaloka, I will stay in hell. They asked, are you sure? He said, yes, this is where I will stay. Then Indira appeared himself and he said, your sense of justice is something that we really appreciate There is no other man like you in the world. But after all these things you have still not given up your hatred for Duryodhana and his brothers. The moment you saw them in heaven, you were taken aback. And all this reaction is coming from that. Even when your wife fell down, fell down the mountain and your brothers fell, you didn't look back, you had that much dispassion. But the moment you saw Duryodhana, Dushyasana and Shakuni sitting in Devalokha, everything came back to you. You have not given up hatred. Unless you give that up, you will not make it back there. And your brothers will not make it back there. Yudhishthira sat down, cross-legged, and he looked into himself and he saw, the seeds of hatred have been suppressed but not burnt out. And anytime they can sprout and become a forest, one seed can populate the whole creation. So this one seed of hatred still within him and he knows if the situations nourish it, once again it will flare up. Once again there will be a Kurukshetra in some other form so he sat down to destroy that seed of hatred within himself and when he managed to do that then all the gods came down to that place and they said jaya
2: (laughs) एक हो गए और करना पाओगे जो खुद के पर राज क्या
0: there are two kinds of victories one is Vijaya Vijaya means to conquer something around us, outside of us. Success in the material world, either by study or craft or conquest, is called Vijaya. But when you manage to have an inner victory, that you have won over all the obstacles that are there within you, you are Jaya. So Yudhishthira achieved Vijaya through Kurukshetra war, but that would not have delivered him anywhere but it's the jaya that he conquered himself. Every seed of negativity in him, every little hurdle within himself he conquered, now it is jaya. The idea of external conquest is a silly idea because it is lack of perception It is lack of overall perception of the situation which makes a human being believe that he's successful. You're successful not because of anything. You believe you're successful simply because you do not have an overall perspective of life as it is. This is something we have touched many times. Whatever endeavors you may be going on with right now, If the planet just decides to spin a little faster, all of you will fly wild into the space. Yes? So where is your victory, where is your conquest, where is your success? It is because a million forces are contributing things that you are not even conscious of. All those forces are continuously nourishing you, keeping you on the track, Something that you do bears result, isn't it? So Parikshit ruled for a period of time, and one day he was hunting in the forest. The panda was gone; all the older generation gone. This boy is called Parikshit. Parikshit means a quality tested one. Parikshit literally means a tested one, somebody who's faced the pariksha before he is born. He he was born as a stillborn child. Krishna literally gave life to him, his own life to him. And now he is a grown-up man and he's coronated as king and he ruled. One day he's hunting and he was very thirsty and he came to a place, a small little clearing where there was one hut and a yogi was sitting and meditating. Parikshit came, the emperor, he wants water. He asked the yogi, the yogi is sitting in meditation. He asked the yogi, I'm thirsty, give me water. The yogi did not respond, he is somewhere else. So the king got irritated. When a royal request is made, you are supposed to respond. So he looked around, he wanted to do something, he saw a dead serpent. He picked it up with an arrowhead, brought it and put it around the yogi's neck. A disciple of the yogi just came by and when he saw this sacrilege being committed that the king is putting a dead snake around the yogi's neck when he is meditating, he got so furious that this is being done to his guru and he cursed the king. May you die of a snake bite within the next seven days. You need to understand that in this country even today because uh, you are living in <clears throat> the kind of cities where a snake cannot travel, it's difficult to enforce this. But suppose you live here in… let's say you live in Danikandi. Within seven days' time, we can ensure a cobra come and bites you. There are mantras to do that. It was a common way of doing things in the past. They will do certain process where if you take something from this person's body, like his clothing or a hair or something like this, they will make sure this cobra will come and bite him within this many days. So he cursed him, within seven days you will die of a snake bite for what you have done to my guru today. Parikshit was terrified. He ran back to his Hastinapur and he built a tower for himself. Upon a column, he built a small place where he lived so that the snakes cannot climb. If I avoid seven days, then he is free. So seven days he wants to sit on top of a tower. He was terrified of a snake bite. Are any doctors here who have seen somebody dying of snake bite, particularly A cobra bite, it's a different game. It's not a simple death. So he doesn't want it. In those days, people have seen how people die of snake bites, what is the kind of death you get. So he climbed up on this post and sat down. In the town of Hastinapur, people started gossiping, what has happened to our king? His father was Abhimanyu, a great warrior. His grandfather was Arjuna, the greatest Kshatriya that ever lived as a warrior. he's the greatest warrior that we have seen. And why is our king sitting on a post terrified? What kind of a man is he? But he is terrified because he is going to be killed by a snake bite. So he is sitting on a post for seven days. On the seventh day, his trusted gods brought him fruit. He bit into a fruit. Out of the fruit came out a little snake and grew in size and bit him in the neck. Before gods could come and save him, he died of snake bite. His son Janame Jaya, when he saw his father being killed by this Naga, he got so furious, he called all his priests and he said, let us conduct a sarpa yagna, which means conduct a yagna where all the snakes in the vicinity will come and naturally fall into the fire. You can direct a snake, you will see even today in Tamil Nadu we have such tribes. Madhya Pradesh and Tamil Nadu, the northern parts of Andhra Pradesh and northern parts of Karnataka have these tribes even today. You will see these people are there in Alandarai, close by. If you bring that guy to the ashram, we've never done that, we brought him for other reasons but not for catching snakes. If he will… see if he just sits down in one place, he won't go catching. He will just go and sit in some corner where people are not moving around and… You will see over the afternoon, he will have a hundred snakes in his bag. They will come in search of him, even today, right here. And the fellow who does this is a drunkard, all the time he's is inebriated. (laughs) To catch him when he is not drunk is difficult. So with these mantras, they want to conduct a yagna where all the snakes will move and come and fall in the yagna and die. The snake sacrifice he wants to conduct in revenge for his father's death. So the priests were also happy because they had their own grouse against the Nagas. So they started the yagna the serpent slowly started moving in and started falling into the fire. Hundreds of them killed themselves falling into the fire. Then Astika, one of the Nagas came by and he told Janamejaya, Stop this cruel Agna. your father was being punished for his arrogance and imprudence. He did this to a yogi, so his disciple cursed him and as per the curse, Takshaka, who had his own revenge, your forefathers, your, forf- your grandfather Arjuna, to build his city. He burned the Kandava At that time, he killed everybody, every Naga in the place, he burned them. Those who tried to escape, he shot them down with his arrows. And the only one who escaped was Takshaka. And Takshaka has been waiting for all these years to take revenge on the Kuru clan and he fulfilled his cycle. So what are you complaining about? Now you will burn all these Nagas. So many other Nagas will be left, orphaned and they will take vows once again for revenge. It will create a cycle of revenge and avenge, revenge and avenge, endlessly it will go on. Let's put this to an end. I am telling you this because my father is a Manava and my mother is a Naga. So I am a part of you and a part of the Nagas. Please believe me, I am speaking in justice, I am speaking in Dharma. If you continue this yagna, once again the cycle of revenge will go on. Let's put an end to this." So the yagna was stopped. What is this story that you are talking about? About my grandfather, how do you know about this? Then Astika said, Let us call Vaishampayana, he will be the best one to tell you the story. So they called sage Vaishampayana. Vaishampayana was the disciple of Vyasa. He was the first one to hear the story from Vyasa. So Vaishampayana told this story, to Janamejaya, the story that you heard in the last eight days was the story that vaishampayana told to Janamejaya because the written version of Mahabharata disappeared. They say, when this story was written, it was so fabulous that gods loved it and they stole it. Yagna was stopped. Vaisampayana told the story to Janamejaya, he, di- he took many more days than eight days. And then when the yagna was stopped and abandoned, Astika felt very proud. Ah, I stopped the yagna and saved the Nagas from annihilation. Then a dog came by whose name was Sarama, the dog Sarama came by and said, it is not Astika who stopped the yagna. It is just that when the yagna was started, Janamejaya and his sons threw stones at my children, unnecessarily accusing my children of defiling the sacrificial offerings. They did not touch it, but they were unnecessarily accused and they threw stones. Because they threw stones at my children, I cursed Janamejaya that his sacrifice, this sarpa satya yagna or this naga sacrifice, yagna that he is doing should not succeed. That is the reason why it got abandoned. That's a final lesson for you that don't think too much of yourself. We have our bit to play and it's just a bit. There are too many other aspects of life which are influencing who we are and what we are right now. That's Mahabharata's story for you. Now your enquiries.
3: You've said that the body carries a memory with a… a karmic memory. So in the Mahabharata, all the characters when they have many wives or many husbands, how does that affect them? A lot of memory. And um, also, does the story end when the devas come and say jaya to… I'm sorry? Does the story finish when uh, the devas come to Yudhisthira or is there something that… like what happens to the Pandavas, the Karavas, the dog, Karna?
0: No, it's still continuing. The story has not ended, it's still continuing with you. So many different actors came and went in the story. Now you have come, you will go, somebody else will come but the same story continues. That is why it is called Mahabharata because the story continues, it's a continuous process, it's a continuum of humanity. Still the same intrigue, same problems, same struggles with the humanity. That is why it is presented that way. About your first question, if you take a particular example, about kings having many wives, they have many wives but they have no involvement with them, there is only one queen usually the rest is to breed. They want to produce sons. They want as many sons as possible so that all the key positions in the army, in the court are taken by their blood because their way of living is they don't trust anything other than their blood. They may not have competence but their blood, their loyalty. So there is a law, you should not spill your own blood so you can't come and kill me because you are my blood. So this kind of arrangement, it is more political than personal. The reason why they're going to dozens of women is not necessarily a personal desire, it's more political, a kind of safety for him because the king is always insecure. You heard the advice that Bhishma gave, He is always insecure, somebody is always sharpening a knife against him. It's best to have your own blood around you because there is a law which says you should not spill your own blood. It is a kind of false safety, but they do spill. But it gives you some control over the situation, so it is a political thing. And there is another aspect to this. Arjuna goes from place to place, when he travels everywhere, he has a child from this woman, that woman and comes back. The physical memory in a woman's body is kind of unloaded when she bears a child. Lot of people, couples discover this, especially men discover this bitterly. They got married to their whoever is their dream and they're all big love affair. The wife got pregnant and then they thought their love affair is going to grow. But suddenly they realize they're out of the love affair. Those two people are going on with their love affair. This guy is just a bystander. Lot of husbands realize this. (laughs) The woman has a child, Now suddenly she has a love affair with her son or daughter and this guy is like, where do I fit (laughs) in?" No, your job is over (laughs) This happens on a much deeper level than arrangement of the family. A woman has to make extraordinary effort to involve the man because whatever memory she gathered in her body, and it grew over a period of time with love, involvement, physical involvement. That whole thing kind of, at least a significant part of it got downloaded into the child. Now suddenly she's almost like, okay, who is this guy? If he assists her in the making of the child's life, she involves him, she understands, not See, do not think of every understanding in your life being intellectual. This is the big mistake that modern world is doing, particularly the Western world. They think everything is in your head, it is not so. Most of the life is here in your body. So the understanding in the body is for what purpose the memory was rubbed on to your body is gone when the child is born, the job is done. Social arrangements of marriage and this and that as your problem. As far as nature is concerned, a man and woman came together so that procreation happens. It happened and the memory is downloaded. Largely, not that it's completely gone, but largely gone. So, lot of times couples discover once the child is born, there is a big gap between them. Now it is more like an acquaintance who comes home and goes, if he comes on time and goes on time, it's okay. If he doesn't come on time, you're happy. If he does not go, trouble (laughs) He should come and go. This is because unknowingly she's dropped the memory. Now suddenly somebody is looking like a little bit of a stranger. Special effort has to be made to build that bond again. Otherwise you will see there is a distance between the man and the woman once the child is delivered. This is happening whether you like it or you don't like it. In nature it is happening and it's a wonderful defense mechanism in the system. So that's the reason why the Arya law said, the Dharma said, if a child… if a woman goes to another man, She goes only for procreation, to bear a child. Like Kunti went to three other people or Ambika and Ambalika went because just to bear a child, because once that is over, the memory is downloaded, she's again back. They say, in their language they're saying, her virginity is restored. Her virginity is restored means she lost that memory and she's again this man's wife. So, one aspect is political, another aspect is just for procreation. Arjuna wants to have children in every place in Aryavarta because he knows tomorrow when he goes for battle, who will come with him. Gattodgacha coming, Bhima's son, Bubruvahana coming, Iravan coming made a big difference in the battle because seed dispersal happened. Otherwise they wouldn't have come. Why would they come all the way? My father is fighting a battle, now I want to go. Somebody else is fighting, now I'll think whether I should go or not.
1: Sadhguru, you said you'll talk about Nahusha the python.
0: Okay. Nahusha… you know who is Nahusha? Forgotten? that's a long time ago. Nahusha was Pururava's son or Yayati's son, so he's one of the lineage of the Kuru kingdom. Nahusha went to Devaloka and he got desire… he started desiring Indra's wife and Indra's wife Sachi told him, only if you come born in a palaquin, which is carried by the Saptarishis, I will accept you. He had seven sages carrying him and they were not going fast enough for his last so he kicked Agastya in his head. So then the seven sages thought, you've gotten too big for yourself. May you become a python. A python because you think the palaquin is not going fast enough. May you become a really slow thinking, slow moving creature. And he fell down here as one huge python. One day, during their vāna prastha, when they were in the forest, the Pandavas, Bhima went out for a hunt. When he went out, Nahusha, who in the form of a python, was there. And when Bhima came by, he coiled himself around Bhima. And just about to eat him. Bhima, hands and legs bound like this. There's nothing he could do. Suddenly he found all his immense strength, elixir-driven health… Uh, strength. Everything was useless in the coils of this snake. He was just paralyzed and he knew he was going to be eaten by Nahusha. Nahusha, ready to swallow him up, But then Bhima said, see, I'm the brother of Yudhishthira, I'm the son of Vayu, I'm here for a purpose. We have to go and redeem our kingdom, don't eat me. I will hunt animals and give it to you. I can… I can understand you are a slow-moving python, you cannot easily hunt. I will hunt for you and see that you're fed, release me. The python said, No, I will not release you. I am waiting for a man called Yudhishthira. If I see him and if I am touched by him and if he answers a few things that I want, I will be released from this form. Till then, I have nothing to spare anybody. I just have to sit here and wait. I know my destiny is to sit here and wait and one day he will come by. Then Bhima's spirits rose a little bit though his body was squeezed. In fact, if your body is squeezed sufficiently, spirit will rise. (laughs) He said, Yudhishthira you want to see, that's my brother. And he shouted, brother Yudhishthira come, my life depends on you. So Yudhishthira heard a far-off cry and came searching for Bhima and then he found Bhima in this state. And Nahusha wants to check if he's really Yudhishthira or he's being conned into it. And he asked him to come and touch him and answer a few questions concerned with his ancestry. When these things were asked… answered, Nahusha regained his original form of being a king and went back to Devaloka. So he had to fulfill that. Because of his arrogance, he fell from Devaloka back here, not as a man but as a slow-moving python. So generally in the Mahabharata, Nahusha is referred to as the Nahusha, the snake, but he was a snake only for a period of time.
3: There's a part of the Mahabharata, um, I'm not sure if we've covered but um, I just got curious about, Um, it's when uh, Arjuna gets killed by someone, I can't remember who it was, um, and it was Ganga who kind of made that happen. Who gets killed? Arjuna gets killed? Arjuna gets killed um, uh, by someone that Ganga sent um, to avenge Bhishma's death or something like this. And then um, Krishna uh, talks Ganga into bringing him back. and, um, and I didn't understand why he did that because I thought that was the common theme throughout the whole thing. I thought Krishna was being a little bit biased there because that's his friend or something. Because, uh, you know, venge- vengeful deaths happened all the way through. Um, and I remember I asked this question a couple of years back to the storyteller and he said it was because it was wrong to do that because um, she did it out of anger. You got the story wrong it is not Krishna
0: who revived him, it is Babruvahana who killed Arjuna. He is his son. Babruvahana is Arjuna's son. And when Ulupi, Babru's mother, saw that he killed his own father, she used her occult capabilities to bring her husband or the father of her child back to life. And why was this necessary? Because Arjuna as he was, was invariably going to be killed by Bhishma because when Bhishma gives battle, nobody can stand in front of him. So, when Ulupi brought him back to life, she gave him the elixir The elixir is described very beautifully. Even when uh, uh, Bhima was given the elixir by the Nagas and a similar elixir was given to Arjuna, they say it was heavier than quicksilver. You know what's quicksilver? Mercury. Mercury is quicksilver. They're saying this elixir was heavier than quicksilver. So it is a mercury soup with so many other herbs, this, that and everything with various types of venoms and various types of herbs mixed in it, it is a soup of mercury which he drank and he was brought back to life. Or today, or we know in South India, this is known as the Navapashana, nine deadly uh, poisons mixed in a certain soup. You take it and just about any disease Siddhas used to cure with this, Even today many idols not many a few idols in Tamil Nadu are made of Navapashana and the water that flows off these idols even today people stand in long queues to drink a trace of that… of those nine poisons and be benefited health wise. You ate the meal, somebody washed the dishes, somewhere a dog outside we'll lick the dishwater. The dishwater, don't underestimate the dishwater. A dishwater may be more tasty than the rasam that you drank because it's a combination of all the things. You never know, yes? Dishwater could be probably more tasty than anything else because all those things on a particular day when things fell together right in the dishwater, it could be a great soup. So, What today we are having as Navapashana is dishwater, from that. But even with dishwater, people are finding enormous nourishment and health. They drank the real soup, but to drink the real soup, you must be in a certain state, otherwise you can't handle it and above all, the people who give the soup must be in a certain state of understanding, capability and a certain inner competence without which you can't make the soup nor can you administer the soup. So it is only the siddhas since the past who did it. We can do it, it's just too complex and with the loss that we have today, it's crazy. If I give you nine types of poisons and you become unconscious, let's say for nine days and then you're going to revive, but within the nine days I will be in the prison. It doesn't take nine days. Your wife, your relatives, your parents are not wise enough to wait. Okay, Sadhguru has given them poison, let us wait. If he makes it, he will be great, if he doesn't make it, he will attain to mukti. They are not made like that. If you don't get up for two hours, they will be calling some other number, isn't it? So in this kind of situation, you cannot do those things.
1: Sadhguru, uh, you said the greatest dharma is to forgiveness.
0: I did not say that <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dharmaraya said that.
0: No, even he did not say it. Okay, in the Aksha-Prishna…
1: And the aksha yeah. questions. But there are people, you keep on forgiving them, they keep on erring. How long are you going to forgive them?
0: It all depends what's your idea of forgiving. If your idea of forgiving is forgetting, then you're heading for a big (laughs) Life is going to mess you up. Forgiving is not forgetting. It's very important in your life. The sweetest moments in your life and the bitterest moments in your life you never forget. Always remember. But forgive means you don't carry bitterness in you because it destroys your life. How to act? with the one who commits this crime upon you or somebody else, that is as it is required. So sometimes forgiving means embracing them, sometimes forgiving means rehabilitating them, sometimes forgiving means imprisoning them, sometimes forgiving means hanging them, sometimes forgiving means maybe you'll have to butcher them on the street. You may be shocked that I am saying this, but anyway when situations go out of control, anyway you will do it, yes or no? Suppose somebody walks into your house, started slaughtering your children and your family and everything, will you take whatever you get in your hand and hit him or no? What are you looking, you Sadhguru, how can you say this? Will you do it or not? That's it. This does not mean you're thinking how to butcher somebody. This does not mean you're thinking how to hang somebody. You're first seeing how to embrace him. If it doesn't work, rehabilitate him. If it doesn't work, restrain him. If it doesn't work, hang him. If that also doesn't work, you'll have to butcher him. Depends on the situation. Action depends on the situation. Don't have premeditated action, that's a crime. Premeditated action is crime, isn't it? You already decided what to do, this is a crime, you are not considering, you are not giving the necessary chance to the other human being because you are already decided what to do. If somebody does this, what to do? Somebody does that, what to do? No, you don't decide that. Somebody may do, do this today, we may handle it this way, Somebody may do the same thing tomorrow, we may handle it another way. Somebody may do the same thing day after, we may handle it a completely different way. This depends on the situation in which we exist, isn't it? So forgiving means that you do not carry any bitterness in you, that you will not act out of resentment, you will act out of what is needed for the situation and whatever is needed. That's Mahabharata, whatever is needed. He will do it, but there is no bitterness in his heart. There is no enmity in his heart. There is no stake. There is nothing to gain, nothing to lose, just doing what is required to be done. That is Mahabharata. That is Krishna. And that's forgiving because there is no bitterness in your heart. But forgiving does not mean you won't do what's needed. That means you have forgotten what happened to you. That's the biggest problem with this country, we forget. We are not forgiving, forgetting. Forgetting means poor memory, that's not a virtue. Poor memory is not a virtue, isn't it? You remember every bitter moment of your life, still you don't carry bitterness in your heart, that's forgiving.